life. And uh, our responses come from a lot of different things, right? Our responses come from our personalities. The way we respond to a situation comes from our personalities. It comes from our past experiences. It comes from our past upbringing. And a lot of times, our responses to life situations come from the heart. In fact, the, the Word of God says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? How we respond to certain things, a lot of times it has to do with what's going on in here. And if we have hurt in our heart, for example, right? If you're like dating someone and things are like starting to get kind of serious and and you're, you know, obviously you're like, you know, going going to go to like a, like maybe like towards engagement or something like that. And you've been hurt in the past. The way you respond to that situation sometimes is probably with a lot of like, oh, I got to put my guards up. And uh, maybe some of you have been there, if you've dated someone like that, because something's going on in here that causes you to respond in a certain way. And tonight, what I want us to talk about is the fact that the, I believe that we serve a God who wants to interact with every single person's life. We serve a God, the God of the Bible wants to have a relationship with every single person in this room. In fact, he wants to do that so much that he did the, the most incredible act of love that any of us could ever imagine. He sent his only son into the world to die for our sins so that we could be in relationship with him. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. And so our God actually pursues us, which is pretty crazy, right? I mean, think about how awesome of an idea that is, is that our God pursues us, meaning that he comes after us. And so he does this in a lot of different ways. He starts to speak to us. He starts to move in our lives or whatever it is. And the way we respond to what God is doing and speaking to us has the power to change our future and has the power to change our destiny. And so our response is really important, right? It got really quiet in here all of a sudden. Our response is really important. Thank you. I appreciate that. When God performs a miracle or when, we, when he moves and we feel his presence, when, when he starts to speak to us, when he starts to reveal something that's going on in our lives, how we respond to that is important. And maybe you're here tonight, you say, Steve, I've never felt God. I don't know God. I, I, I just showed up to this thing tonight because someone invited me and they said there was free food afterwards. And, uh, and if you're here tonight and that's you, you say, I, I, I don't really know anything about that. I believe I believe that in the next few moments, the Lord is going to speak to you. I believe in the next few moments, God's going to maybe prompt you to do something. God's going to prompt you. Uh, the truth maybe is going to be revealed to you in maybe a new way. And I would just encourage you to respond in a way that's going to embrace what it is that God is trying to say. If you're here tonight and you say, Steve, I've, I don't know about this. This is kind of weird. This is new for me. In fact, when I walked into this room, I was kind of uncomfortable because people were singing and raising their hands. I just want to encourage you just for the next few moments to, to maybe just to allow your heart to believe that maybe God has something for you tonight that he wants you to respond to. Because he loves you and he cares about you and he's aware of your situation and he wants to be part of your life. Amen? Okay. So we're going to look at, at uh, a situation in the Bible in which God does something pretty awesome, okay? This isn't like a, well, maybe this was God, maybe this wasn't God. This was like a miraculous thing that happened in the Old Testament, in the beginning of the Bible, 
And we see people in the Old Testament have three different responses to the circumstance that they encountered. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus 5. Exodus 5. And we're going to be talking about the story of Moses and the story of Pharaoh and the Israelites. Now, uh, how many people have seen a Hollywood depiction of this story? Okay. Uh, I think Disney's done it, uh, and uh, and I believe it was, uh, well, who's the guy, the old guy that did this movie? Uh some, some Heston guy, what's his name? Charlton Heston, there he is. Okay, so uh, you maybe, have, you know, that, that one that's on every Thanksgiving weekend, all right? This is that story. And so what's happening here in, in this story, it's a pretty amazing story. What happens is, is that God's people, called the Israelites, are in slavery. They are in bondage to the Egyptians. And they are being mistreated, and they're crying out to God, asking him to save them. And so God finally says, okay, enough is enough. We're going to come in and we're going to do this. And so he raises up this leader by the name of Moses, and he uh, essentially commissions Moses to go on behalf of the Israelites in front of Pharaoh and say, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. We're getting out of here. All right? Now, the Egyptians, or the, excuse me, the Israelites were the Egyptians' workforce. And so, obviously, Pharaoh was going to be slow to let them go. So in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, this is what it says. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. Let my people go, so that we may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is this Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, what? why are you talking, or why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And then we're going to skip forward. So obviously we see three different people, Moses, Pharaoh, and the Israelites in this story. And, excuse me, instead of things getting better, instead of Pharaoh doing something right or whatever, uh, Pharaoh actually got more angry, and he actually oppressed the Israelites more. And he made their work harder, made them work longer hours with worse conditions, all this stuff was happening. And Moses is kind of ticked off about this, right? He goes before Lord, the Lord, and he says, hey, I tried to help you, I tried to do what you said, and in Chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on these people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see that I will do, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. So we see Moses bringing his issues, bringing his problems, bringing his stresses and his anxieties, not just keeping them up, bottling them up inside and be like, oh, God, you screwed up again. See you later. But he brings them before God and says, hey, this doesn't make sense. And God reminds him of his character and says, listen, I have a plan through all of this. So skipping ahead to Exodus 7, it says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle. So he's gonna, they're going to go before Pharaoh again and make the request again. 
When Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So what's happening here? Essentially, God's saying, hey, we're going to go back in front of Pharaoh. You're going to ask him again, but this time we're bringing ammo. All right? There's going to be a miraculous sign that takes place to prove to Pharaoh that I am God and that he should listen to me. And so this is what happened. So Moses and Aaron, 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 Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Creepy. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Power move. Yet Pharaoh's heart. Now listen to this. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. You see, these guys witness a miracle. God is trying to speak to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh hardens his heart. He explains the miracle away with something that he can wrap his brain around or something that he can explain God away and God out of the situation. And his heart hardens against God. And if we read the rest of the story, we're not going to read it all, because there's a lot of scripture here. I encourage you to read it on your own. But right after this happens, the ten plagues come to Egypt. And every single time that happens, scripture says that Pharaoh's heart does not listen to God, but it becomes harder and harder and harder. Until eventually, after the tenth plague, he says, listen, this is enough. I've had enough of you Israelites. Just get the heck out of here. He does, not, he does not come in line with God's call. It's just he's finally fed up with everything. He says, get out. And then we see something really interesting happen. The Israelites go into the desert. Pharaoh lets them go. The Israelites go into the desert. The Israelites just witnessed 10 of the most incredible, earth-shattering miracles that we can possibly imagine, right? And then they go into the wilderness, and they get to the Red Sea. And you know what happens? Pharaoh's army's coming after him. And they get to the Red Sea, and they turn on God. Even after all of that, God just released them. They just witnessed all these miracles, and they get to the Red Sea. They're like, really, God? You've led us all the way out here, and now we're going to die? Well, this is stupid. We could have been eating and actually been alive back in Egypt. This was a really bad plan, God. And then God parts the seas, and they walk through on dry land, and they witness another incredible miracle. And they get across, and they're released, and they're free. And in, in Exodus chapter 14, they complain again. And in Exodus 15, they complain again. And in 16, they complain again. And in 17, they complain again. And in thir verse 32, they complain again and eventually make their own idol, their own God. I read this story, and it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. How could three different people respond to the miracles of God in three most incredibly different ways? You, and so we're going to look at these, and I want to challenge you tonight to be able to identify that I believe that our hearts are probably in one of these three positions or a combination of the three. 
But my challenge to you tonight is that you would take a good, long, hard look at your heart tonight and say, how is it that my heart is responding to what God is trying to speak, show, or do in my life? Is that all right? All right. The first one is this. The first response is the hardening response. You guessed it. This is Pharaoh's response to miracles, right? Essentially, Pharaoh had a miracle happen and his heart immediately hardened. And I think we do this sometimes in our life, right? The minute anything spiritual happens in our lives, it's as if our heart just kind of like crusts over. It's, it's kind of like, have you, ever, have you ever dealt with Play-Doh that's like really nasty, gross? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you remember when you were a little kid? I actually brought Play-Doh here today. Remember when you were a little kid and you're like so excited to open up a can of Play-Doh? You're like, oh, I'm so excited to open up Play-Doh. That's was me. I don't know. Maybe you guys aren't excited about Play-Doh. And you like dump it out and then this is what happens. It's like old and crusty and it falls apart and breaks apart. It's gross, right? We can't mold that. We can't shape that. We can't do anything with that. It's, it's nasty, gross, dry Play-Doh. And I think sometimes we treat our hearts that way. We can't be malleable for the Lord because as soon as he tries to squeeze something, we're like, <gasps> nope, uncomfortable. No, we're not going there. And we do this for a number of different reasons. Maybe we're just uncomfortable with something new. Maybe it's a fear of the unknown. That I can't wrap my brain around that, and I can't put God in a box, so I don't want anything to do with him. Maybe it's, maybe it's a fear of giving up control. You mean to tell me that, that, that Jesus, you want Jesus to, like, take control of my life? No, 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 I don't want to do that. I like having control of my life. Maybe, maybe you, you've had an encounter with God and you've, you've, you were like Pharaoh and you reasoned it away. You're like, oh, no, 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 my magicians, my, my people can do that same thing. There's no way that that could have been God. That was probably some biological process happening or that's something, whatever. I, I can't, there's got to be a scientific way to explain that. Maybe it's fear of humiliation. Maybe it's, maybe it's a past hurt. You, you got hurt in church or you got hurt by someone in ministry in the past. And if that's you, I just want to say sorry. I'm sorry that that happened. But my prayer for you tonight is that you would not let the sin of someone else impact the rest of your life. But that you would get a fresh start tonight. Maybe for you, it's you, you, there's a portion of your heart that's malleable, but then there's a ton that's just like off limits to God. And as soon as he kind of pokes and prods at that and says, hey, I'm not just trying to be, I'm not just, just trying to be a pest. I want to bring healing to that. You say, nope, no way. We're not doing that. We're not going there. Maybe for you, you think you, you think you understand it. Like, ah, I've heard the message. I've heard the gospel. I know, I, I know who Jesus said he was. I've heard it all. I don't need to hear it again. Whatever it is, my prayer for you tonight is essentially Psalms 95. And it says this, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If your heart is hard to the Lord, it's very simple. The Lord actually promises us in the book of Ezekiel that, that he will take our heart of stone and put in us a heart of flesh. Because God is not responsible for your hard heart. 
It might be sin from your past. Your heart might be hard because of something that someone else did. God did not do that to you, but he wants to bring healing to it. But we just have to trust him enough to say, here you go. This is yours. I trust that I'm going to give you my hard, crusty (laughs) Play-Doh, and what you're going to give me back is something that's going to be malleable and good. See, the second... The second response to the miraculous work of God is is what I call the wanderer's response. You see, the wandering response is really the heart of the Israelites in this story. See, the Israelites experienced all the same miracles as Moses. They received all the same miracles as, as Pharaoh did. And they were actually on, like, the good end of all of it, right? And it was amazing. They got set free from slavery. And as soon as they were out, they started blaming God for everything. As soon as hardships came, they were kind of, they were kind of like, I, I hate to say it, but they were, they were kind of like that, like that spoiled little kid. You know what I'm saying? That wants everything his way all the time. And the, unfortunately, myself... And many of us have a lot in common with the attitude of the Israelites. God will move in our hearts, and our lives a lot of times can become, our walks with Jesus a lot of times can become a roller coaster of emotion. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, yeah, how many people know someone that's a roller coaster of emotion? Anybody? All right? Don't look at anybody or be like, that's you. That's not nice, all right? All right. But sometimes our walks with Jesus are like that. We're like the Israelites. We're a roller coaster of emotion. Like, yeah, ten plagues, let's go, right? It's like, oh, no, a giant sea. We should have planned ahead. (laughs) And then, oh, my gosh, parted waters. God, you're amazing. We get to the other side. Oh, I am really thirsty. God, you stink. Right? Like, man, we could have bottled a bunch of water, right? Hydroflask, you could have, like, provided hydroflask for us before we left. And then God does something, and he, and, he, and he brings them water. And then they get water, and they're like, yeah, water, amazing miracle. Then just, like, a few days later, ah, oh, I'm really hungry. This is literally the story. This is exactly how it goes. And then God provides them manna and quail. And then a little, and they're like, yeah, this is amazing. Like literal food is like falling from heaven, people. Like this is miraculous stuff. How could you complain to God after he had food fall from heaven for you, right? Some of you are like, Steve, listen, man. I've been eating nothing but ramen for like four straight semesters. I could use a miracle like that, you know? I don't even have, I'm not even going to ask for steak. I would take like a chicken breast or something. I would take it, right? And then as soon as you get food, then all of a sudden it's, it's hilarious. Have you ever read that book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, right? He'll ask for a, you'll ask for a glass of water. That is literally the Israelites. It's literally the Israelites in this story. So he finally gives them food, and then he's like, yeah, food. And then a little while later, we're thirsty again. No joke. This is exactly what happens. And they're mad at God for being thirsty again. It's like, make up your minds, people. But yet we do this in our lives, right? So many times our relationships with Jesus are an on-again, off-again relationship. 
We say, God, I need you right now because I have this really big test. I need you right now because I have relationship problems. I need you right now because there's this thing going on in my family. And then as soon as that, that, that thing has passed, he walks with us through it. Something miraculous happens. And then all of a sudden, we become a wanderer again. Ephesians 4.14 says it this way. Paul writes to the Ephesians and says, listen, we don't want you to do this anymore. We don't want you to be a wishy-washy, on-again, off-again follower of Jesus. He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. We all have this tendency. We all have this tendency to be tossed to and fro by the things in life, okay? So we're going to do a science experiment in here. Is that okay? All right, perfect. <laughs> who said yay science? Yay, I, I like that. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I hope, uh, I hope you guys can all see this. I need someone to come hold the microphone. I should have done like a headset thing. Um, yeah, come on up here. Thanks, Isaac. All right. So here you go. Uh, so we got our crusty Play-Doh here. You want to hold this? I'll just hold it right up to my mouth. Okay. We're going to try this. I hope it works. All right. So we have, uh, we have a, a, a material here that actually my, uh, we made just this afternoon that I'm going to try to try to get out of here. Uh-oh. I've had a lot of sermon illustration fails lately, so I hope this one works. I could really use a win right now, all right? <laughs> all right. So, uh, oh, there it is. Good, 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 good. Okay. So I made this really cool goo, all right? So check this stuff out. All right. So this is like homemade Play-Doh, all right? So a lot of us, when we walk with Jesus, we're kind of like this. We, like, get put in God's hands, and he starts to form us and shape us, and it feels really good. You're like, oh, God, this is actually really awesome. Like, you healed something in my life, and, and pretty soon he starts to form us into this, like, nice little thing that we can, that we're like, yeah, my life is starting to get put together. I was a mess, and all this stuff was going on, and now finally, like, you, you are doing your thing. And all of a sudden, like a day or two later or a week later, or a month later or whatever else, we go from being this like really solid, really awesome, moldable, malleable thing to all of a sudden it doesn't take long and it just becomes goo again. And it starts to go and it starts to become messy and it starts to become nasty. And pretty soon, instead of being staying in a form of something, we start to just become formless. And so God shapes us again, and he does his thing. I think I need to add a little bit of water to this. There we go. He does his thing, and before we know it, we're, we're doing okay, we're doing okay, and then all of a sudden God does his thing again, and we start to become goo, and we start to drip, and we start to become, we start to become formless, and, and the world starts to shape us, and things start to become really nasty and messy. And before we know it, we say, oh, God, I want to have you back, and we keep doing this thing that the Israelites have done, but we become what I call wandering Christians. This dried out. This is not going to go well. It worked better at home, I promise, all right? Cornstarch and water really is all that took, all right? All right, so we're going to move on. Where did it go? Give it up for Isaac, everybody. Thank you, Isaac. Good job, pal. Does it make sense? 
God loves to mold us and he loves to shape us, but he wants us to stay there. He wants us to become malleable. And it doesn't mean that he's going to shape us into something and keep us there for the rest of our lives. It just means that he, his plan is best for us. The third, the third response, and Moses' response is the moldable response. Moses was not perfect, right? In fact, when we read about Moses' life, he was far from it. He was absolutely far from perfect. But when we read about Moses' life, he brought, he brought his complaints to God. And God was able to say, hey, listen, I know this doesn't make sense right now. I know this seems weird. I know this seems like, like I don't have things together, but I do have things together. I need you to trust me. Was I not the one that brought you out of Egypt? Was I not the one that fed you? Was I not the one that saved you from, the, from Pharaoh's hand? Was I not that God? I'm reminding you of that. I'm reminding you of your past, and I'm going to equip you to move forward. You see, Moses was Moses. Moses was the leader that he was. He was the man of God, the follower of God that he was, because he stayed moldable. And he wasn't just, wasn't allowed to be shaped, and then all of a sudden let the complaints and the attitudes of the Israelites shape him and, and move him back to being that goo again. He was someone who said, listen, I am going to go to God when I start to get pressed, when I start to get pushed. I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to get a tune-up, and we're going to go back out and do this thing. I think what this looks like in our lives is it looks like us surrendering every part of our life to God and bringing ourselves underneath His power. Essentially, what this is like is, is it's the good Play-Doh. It's the Play-Doh that, have you ever opened up a fresh batch of Play-Doh? It's really a beautiful, satisfying thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the perfect tube. Actually, I have one here. Hang on. Isn't this just beautiful? All right. Wow. Anybody have ADD and could use this right now? All right. <laughs> Tanae, you ready? All right. Here you go. Oh, nice. All right. So, uh. But, but when we are moldable and shapeable in God's presence, something powerful happens. We start, to, we start to be, he starts to say, hey, listen, I want you to understand this aspect of my character. Hey, listen, there's this part in your heart that needs healing, and I want to bring healing and restoration to it. And you don't need to carry around this hardness anymore. You don't need to carry around this hurt anymore. I'm going to take care of that. And it becomes a really awesome thing. But when we don't give him our full selves, and when we just give him half, or when we just kind of give him an emotional response, there's no way that he can mold us and keep us shaped the way he wants to keep us shaped. So what does this look like in our lives? Well, in Hebrews 3, it actually refers to this verse in chapter, in chapter 3, verse 12. And it's really awesome because... Essentially, it parallels what we're talking about here to Jesus. And we're not going to read it for the sake of time tonight, but essentially what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's saying that, that listen, well, I'm going to read a little bit of it. It says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. Who are you? Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not those Moses led out of Egypt? with whom he was angry for 40 years. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you will have been found to have fallen short of it. 
In other words, what this is referring to is the fact that we have the greatest miracle of all time right in front of us, waiting for us, and that is the miracle of Jesus. See, the beautiful thing is, is that we don't have to look into the future and hope for the fact that, well, maybe Jesus is going to show up someday. We can look back in history and see that Jesus was a man who died, who rose again from death, conquered sin, conquered death, has that, that through him there is a miracle waiting for us. And we have to make a decision as to whether or not our hearts are going to be hardened to it, we're just going to let it influence us emotionally for a little while and then wander, or whether we're going to let it shape us and mold us. The reality is, is that through Jesus, there's healing in this life. There's a new identity waiting for you. There is forgiveness of sins waiting for you. And there's eternal life with God in an incredible place called heaven waiting for you. And all it takes is you saying, okay, God, here you go. Here's my heart is yours. Turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. I want to invite my friend uh, Haley up. And uh, we're going to have her uh, just kind of close the message with a little bit of her story and what the Lord has taught her about everything that we've been talking about tonight. So give it up for Haley. Hey. So, yeah, like Steve said, I'm Haley. Um, if I talk too, sorry, I'm crying. If I talk too fast, you can just be like, hey, sit down. I'm really nervous right now. Um, <laughs> so that's good. So, yeah. Um, what Steve was talking about um, when he asked me to share something, um, I figured I'd share how I came to be a part of Chi Alpha because I feel like I really want you all here to be part responsive. So I started Chi Alpha like two and a half years ago. Um, and so a little bit of background. I grew up as a Christian, grew up in a Christian home. Um, I was really fortunate and blessed that way. Um, but I didn't like community at all. I didn't understand what fellowship was. Um, and I really hated vulnerability. And I was super shy. Um, those of you who know me now, yes, I actually was shy, I promise. Um, and so basically, um, I'd been invited to Kyle for a couple times. I saw posters all over the store, and I was like, no, like, it's like a youth group thing. That's not my thing. I don't want to go to that. No, thanks. It's not going to be cool. Sorry, Steve. But, <laughs> um, but basically, I had this friend that I'd grown up in church with, and I just happened to see her, like, um, in the mass. We lived in the mass, and she um, stopped me, and she's like, hey, like, you should really come to Kyle Flow. Like, I think it's something you'd really like. Um, but if that's not, like, if it's too big for you, like, my roommate has a small group, and I was like, oh, okay, like, I'll think about it, and as I was walking, I was like, no, not gonna go at all, but for some reason, that invitation's, um, invitation stuck with me, um, and God just kind of kept, like, pushing at my heart, and he's like, you know, you've been really hurt, um, you, because I've been hurt by people in, like, youth groups in the past, and he's like, you can't, like, let this dictate your life anymore, and I was like, well, but I'm shy, and I like just chilling in my room, and like, it's still cool, but <laughs> for some reason, I don't know, I decided to show up to Kyle for free. Um, and my reasoning behind it was like, you know what, I'll just show up. Um, and that way I can be like, hey, thanks for the invite, but I didn't really have a good time. And it's not my thing. And then she wouldn't have to bug me anymore about showing up. Um, so I get there, I sit down, I'm super uncomfortable, I'm super nervous, because new things are not my thing. And God, like, wrecked me that night. He was like, no, Haley, like, I want you to be here. I want you to let me to, like, start healing those places in your heart where you've, you've been hurt in the past, so that was really cool, um, small group was, like, a really weird experience for me, because I had to, like, learn how to open up and be vulnerable, um, but it was also a really good experience, because God did a lot of things in my life, and he healed me from a lot of things, 
Um, but I was still really struggling with fully trusting him. So I'd be like, yeah, wait. Um, and so, like, okay, so let's back up. The reason I got to Anchorage, I actually started off school in Seattle. Um, and my freshman year Christmas break, God very clearly told me to move back into Kings City, Idaho. And everything fell into place. So I'd had this, like, really defining God moment in my college career already. Um, but still, I was, like, really having a hard time trusting him. So I was kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And I was, like, um, I just didn't know if I really wanted to keep up with him also. Um, and then I got the opportunity to become a transit leader. And it kind of was, like, okay, this is a make it or break it moment. I was, like, you're either going to trust me and you're going to um, go all in or just don't do it. And I was really nervous, but I decided, um, I sat down and prayed in my room, and I was like, okay, God, like, I don't want to live in this life anymore, so I don't want to live where fear is dictating every decision I make in my life. Um, I want to know what a life of freedom looks like, and so I decided to go through with it, and it's been one of, like, the most challenging things I've done in my life, um, but definitely the most rewarding, and I've got to see God not only move in my life, but move in the life of my friends. Um, I've made so many cool, awesome friends. Um, I'm no longer, like, afraid of new friends and new people. That's really cool. Um, but, yeah, so that's what it's like when God radically leads and moves in people. Going from, I just think it was pretty cool that God took me from a place where I was so hardened to the point where I'd rather sit in my room alone um, and to the point where I, like, loved coming to Anchorage and, like, loved getting to hang out, loved meeting new people. So. Awesome. Thanks, Haley. The worship team can come back up as we close. I don't know where you're at tonight, and I don't know uh, I don't know what your story is. I don't know if uh, which one of these situations maybe uh, maybe spoke to you, uh, but I want us to give us a chance, right, to respond to what God's doing. And so, uh, if you would just bow your heads and and uh, and close your eyes, I just want to I just want us to to take a chance to pray and. And uh, this is something we love to do in, in Chi Alpha is, is allow just the, the last part of the service to be a time when we just spend some time with, with God and spend some time allowing him to, to speak to us and, and, uh, and, and move, uh, just kind of move in our hearts and respond to him. And so I just have two questions for you tonight as we, as we close. And the first one is this, is that, if you're here tonight and your heart has been hardened, your heart has been been hardened uh, by whatever it was, maybe you could have identified with one of those things that we had talked about. But if you're here and, and you want to give God your heart, maybe you've, uh, maybe you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never given Him your life. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've never you you did that a, a while ago, or and that recently in your life it's just been you have you've drifted, you've completely turned your back on him, and you'd like to say, God, I'm I'm coming back. I've drifted, I've wandered, but I am coming back. And tonight you would like to make a decision to say, God, you are going to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you tonight. I just want you to just lift up your head and, and just, just look at me because I want to know who that's for. And I want to make sure that, uh, that, uh, that I pray for you. Anybody else? Awesome. 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 Anybody else? 
cool. Thanks. So here's what we're going to do. If, you, if you're making that decision, if you made eye contact with me tonight, I just want to ask that, that you would find me or, or my wife Erin or Olivia, the, the person who is leading worship, or, or uh, one of the Chi Alpha interns. We, we can, we're going to be in the back at the end of the service, and we would love to connect with you and, and let you know what this means if you have questions about it and what the next steps are. And, and, uh, and we'd love to get you, get you plugged in to, to start growing in this way. But if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer for that to happen. And so we're going to all pray this prayer together alongside of you tonight. And so I'm just going to ask that you would repeat this prayer, but that it wouldn't just be repeated, but that, it would, that you would understand, think about what you're saying, and, uh, and be able to, to mean this in your heart. So let's all say this together, whether you're making this decision tonight or, or, or not. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I am accepting your forgiveness that you made available to me through dying for me on a cross. I am giving you my life. I am turning away from my old ways and asking for strength to live for you for the rest of my days. Amen. Hey, we celebrate with those who made that decision because we believe that, that eternities have been altered. So can we give those people a round of applause? That's awesome. Come on. But my next question is this, that if you are here and you realize that there are places in your life that you've been wandering and that you have not been moldable, maybe you've allowed God to make shape or you've made a lot of emotional decisions, you've promised God certain things like 900 million times that you're going to quit or change or do whatever, and tonight you're going to say, man, I, I, really want to, I really want to come to you every single time. I'm not going to complain when, when the going gets tough, I'm not going to complain and, and, and have the Israelite attitude. I'm going to have the Moses response in my life. And you want to pray for strength for that? Just raise a hand in here as a way to say, God, that's me and I'm making that response. My hand's up with you. I need that every single day of my life because I have those tendencies. So, Lord, I pray right now that as we respond to you, whatever area of healing, that needs to be had, whatever area of strength, whatever area of restoration, God, that you would bring that in the name of Jesus. I pray that we would be able to respond to you in a way that is that, that we would be moldable and that we would not walk out of this room and just become... Uh, just become, uh, take shape that, take the shape that we walked in here with, but that when we walk out of here, that responding to you would change us, both now and forevermore. God, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to worship God and just allow our hearts to, to respond to this just for a few more moments, and then we'll come back together and, and pray and dismiss. I see him.